And we join together now um, with uh, Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 24. And um, I was kind of teasing the midweek word group that since we had one verse, um, we would just really enjoy it, just taste it and delve into it. And um, we, we had a great time doing it. But I think this is, I've got to say that I think this is the only time that as I've prepared a sermon that um, the, the sermon text could fit on one slide, that this is a, a singular day. Um, Jesus is again in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, and he's been talking about treasures and how we continue in our discipleship lives to honor God, and now he's getting to the meat of the matter. That um, And he's willing to use a, a rather difficult... Um, uh, example, one that I think our, our souls shrink from as we, our, our, our nation, our world yearns toward freedom. Um, it is very difficult to talk about slavery and what it means to be a slave. And, and yet that is the example that Jesus uses. He says, no one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, you who are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I made sure today that I had clothes with pockets um, I had a friend in another church who used to look at me and just cluck his tongue and say, girl clothes, because he was the, uh, basically the answer to our media team, um, and poor Mark was always trying to find ways that he could attach a microphone to me when, I, when there was nothing to put it in. So today, I have a pocket, because... Um, I needed to be able to move more freely, and the pulpit wasn't going to let me do that. Because the first thing that I think of when I think about serving two masters is a cartoon all the way back from childhood. And maybe you'll remember this too, and if you do, feel free to get up and move around as I did. It was about a chameleon, the wonderful, yes, the wonderful, wonderful chameleon. And the chameleon is very good. He's very proud of himself, and they, the, for one of the first things you see is a big yellow screen, and the scientific commentator is doing a voiceover, talking about, oh, the, the innovative, wonderful chameleon, and the chameleon goes pirouetting into the yellow slide, and of course, becomes yellow, you know, and the commentator is saying, no matter what, you know, the chameleon instantly can transform, and then it's a red slide, and the chameleon goes jumping into that, ta-da, yes, I'm wonderful. And then the last slide is plaid. And he goes flying into it and then stops and drops down and has a temper tantrum. I can't, I can't, I won't, I just can't do it. And it used to just crack me up. And <laughs> I know, of course, you know, scientifically speaking, that's not what chameleons do. 
I've sat actually watching a chameleon and it wasn't really turning any colors. It certainly was not pirouetting around and it couldn't instantly change. But the image of that chameleon so proud of itself that it could just do anything and then suddenly meeting something that was too much. There were too many colors. There was no way that this chameleon was going to be able to transform into plaid. And he broke down under the strain of it all. And I laughed, but now I think I get it. There was some theology going in that. Hold that image in your head, trying to become plaid. Because I think our world very often asks us to become plaid. I remember some years ago, probably 20 years ago or so, because I remember trying to do it as a young mother, everybody was talking about multitasking. Do you remember when that one really hit in the business world that all of a sudden there were all of these articles about, yes, you too can speed up your processes and these are ways that you can be doing this over here and that over there and everybody can become more effective and more efficient and yes, you too can multitask. And thank goodness, the scientists went on the heels of that and said, hmm, multitasking, what is that really? And after many, many research projects, they've pretty well proven, here's the, here's the reality, friends. Even mothers, even those of us who are used to trying to do a lot of things simultaneously, you know, you're, you're cooking and the wash is going and you're trying to help somebody with homework, that kind of thing, we're not actually multitasking, okay? I'll just say that again. What we think is multitasking is not actually doing several things at the same time. Our brains are like that chameleon. They really can pirouette and move and shift focus really quickly. As long as we're not trying to do two exactly the same things, like reading, if you're reading or texting, and someone's trying to talk to you, you're going to have trouble because it's the same part of your brain that's trying to de decipher the language. Can't do stuff like that. You can, yes, you can do an, an, have a number of things going, but it's kind of like your computer. We have a bunch of windows open, but you can only look at one screen at a time. Our brains are, fa our brains are faster than our computers. Thank goodness, they are back, you know, back to our chameleon again. They can shift pretty quickly from one thing to another, but that's what they're doing. Our brain is moving and going from one thing to another so quickly that it is even without thought at times. But it is not happening at the same time. And also what we notice just like our, when you have your computer open with 10 windows, it moves slower. It's not as efficient as when you've closed 
a lot of the windows in the computer and the memory is only having to do a certain amount at a time. Our brains work the same way. Because what all of that blue, blue ribbon research tells us is that when we multitask, we move slower in each task that we're trying to do and often we're not as effective, we make mistakes because our head is not precisely on that particular task. So we make more errors. Jesus, before there were, there were bits and bites and windows and plaid chameleons, Jesus got this. Jesus totally understood about multitasking and that it cannot happen. And so he put it in terms that we shrink from a little bit. He said, you cannot serve two masters. It cannot happen. And we think, now, now wait a minute. You know, what? immediately, you know, we're, our, we, we still want to believe that somehow we can do a bunch of things at a time. But yes, but, but Jesus... I mean, I, I can love my family and, and still love other people. And, you know, I can, I can, I can do this and, and still have room for that. And Jesus is saying, yes, I, yeah, I get that. But you need to close the windows in your brain and think about one thing. And in Jesus' time, much like our time, the, way, the roads that seemed to be the clearest in front of people were, are you going to live for yourself or are you going to live for God? And Jesus basically marked that out as God and money. Because I'm going to have my little disclaimer. You can draw the asterisk in your head. Here it is. Jesus is not saying that money is inherently evil. What he's saying is that we need to make sure who is the master and who is the slave in our relationship to money. Okay, hold that. I'm going to ask you to open that window in your head. Just put that there. We're coming back to it. Jesus understood that when we are about our money, when we, which basically symbolizes selfish desires, what I would like, what I need, what I want to buy, then we're straying away from the idea of what is God doing in my life? What does God need from me? And Jesus understood, just like the one who came up with that wonderful cartoon, that sometimes we need things in bright colors and broad strokes. Because would we remember this verse if Jesus had said, now you need to understand that you need to love God. Of course you want, God loves you and you need to love God, so just make up your mind to that. Does that have that same impact? No, it doesn't. Hyperbole, overstatement, Pirouetting chameleons, bright colors, plaid, is what Jesus needed to use. You cannot serve 
two masters. Because in those days, and actually in these as well, we don't call it slavery, but when you think about where do we put our time and our energy, we understand that we get exhausted when we have too much going on. My mother used to collapse in her chair at the end of the day and say, I have too many irons in the fire, harking back to colonial days when you would have to set an iron in front of the fireplace and then, then do your ironing. And if you had too many irons in the fire, one would get too hot, you'd end up scorching things. It got to be a mess. When we have too many irons in the fire, when we are trying to pirouette into plaid, we can't do it. We break down, we have temper tantrums, and often we just shut down. I can't do it. I will not do it. So Jesus is saying, find what you truly love. Find the one thing that opens your life. Close the windows in your mind so that you can walk through the door that leads to God. Because slaves, I don't like to talk about it, but it's true, slaves had one purpose in life, to serve the master, to serve the one who had their lives. It is fortunate, perhaps, that slaves were freed in those days. There's a whole raft of other sermons about the culture of slavery that we're not going to need to get into here. But the one concept that you need to understand is that slaves knew that their lives during the time that they were serving their master belonged to their master. And so as Jesus said that, he knew that the picture that went into the folks' minds was, oh, okay, if God is going to be the master, then my life belongs to God. No ifs, no ands, no buts, no plaid. The road is absolutely straight ahead of you, and you know what you need to do. And when we are single-minded, when we've closed all the little windows in our heads and we're thinking about one thing, isn't it relaxing? Isn't it peaceful to come home and say, this is the thing that I'm going to do today. I'm going to make dinner. And all I'm going to do for this next hour is make dinner. Or how fun it is to get a telephone call from a loved one or to make that telephone call and to flop down in the chair or on the couch and all you do for 30 minutes or however long the call lasts is you talk to your friend, to your mother, to your loved one. And you're there, absolutely present in that place. That's what God is hoping for us to do. To just be present there. And then other doors and other windows start to open up that since we love God, there's an opportunity to do this. And it branches off 
like a tree. Because we love God, we can do this. Because we love God, we serve. Because we love God, we are willing to take a hold of our money. And I told you, all right, here's the asterisk. Bring it back. Open up that window again. We choose to become masters of our money. And money becomes our slave. Our money works for us. Our money goes where we say it goes. Because when we belong to God, God's hopes, God's dreams flow through us. Like the yellow, like the red, as we pirouette and we dance, because we know that we just have one thing that we need to do, to love God. And then all of the other bright colors of God's creation, the rainbow of hope and life and love, and yes, sharing our money, sharing ourselves, sharing our time, our gifts, our talents, all flow from the one color, the one hope, the one love that is God. Amen.